And welcome back, everyone, to the Disruptive Doctrine Podcast. This is your host, Luis Cruz. And today, we are going to be jumping right in because I'm on a little bit of a time crunch. I'm going to go see the next few episodes of The Chosen that came out yesterday. Um, But I wanted to come on here and talk about uh, something that I actually just brought to my church last night. And the title of the study I brought yesterday was, Why Am I So Angry? Why am I so angry? And this is for all the people who are living in anger and they just, they're angry. And and some people know why they're angry and some people don't know why they're angry. You ask them, why are you angry? And they say, I don't know. Um, I think that's like uh, most, I'm not even going to go down that road with wives, but sometimes it's just, babe, why are you angry? I don't know, but I'm mad. I'm like, okay. Anyways. So we're going to jump right into scripture, Ephesians chapter four, and we're going to read verses 17 to 32, as these are going to be the topics that we're going to be going into over the next few weeks. Um, I really want to dive into this, but uh, it says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far. They wander far from the life of God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that is in what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We've talked about reconciliation. The Greek meaning is a change of nature where it's telling us to put on our new nature. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead of instead, use your hands for good hard work and give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, and instead be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you. So before we go into this, I need you guys to understand that right now on earth, we are showing God where we want to spend an eternity. The kingdom of heaven is here, and we don't care enough to live like if we're in heaven. So why would he let you into the eternal heaven? Uh, we're, this is our opportunity. This is a test run for us to show God. If, if you let me into heaven, this is how I'm going to live. I'm going to treat others with love. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to disrespect people. I'm going to show people love. I'm going to be kind. And if you let me into heaven, this is who I'm going to be forever. But if we don't live like that, then there's only one place for us. Now, uh, the question that someone asked me the other day at church was, is anger a sin? And the simple answer is no. Anger is not a sin. There is no emotion that we feel that is a sin in itself because God created those emotions. Um, But when you dwell in a certain emotion for an extended period of time, um, 
it, it can be harmful. So in this episode, I'm going to be referencing a couple times the movie of Inside Out. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I tend not to use movies as references. I try not to because there's a lot of conflict about Disney being the devil. And, and, and I personally don't have Disney Plus in my house. It's not that it's a sin. It's just a conviction. I just, with the way the old, I'll let my son watch the OG Disney movies. Um, but the new stuff that's going out, uh, but the point is inside out, I'm pretty sure it's Pixar anyways, but, um, it's a great movie and it, and it, it's a movie about how the different emotions have to work together to create a balance. So that's really what it is. There's an, an array of emotions that in a healthy person, it's balanced that there are moments where anger is called for. Uh, people ask me all the time, like, how was Jesus flipping tables not a sin. Well, he was justified in his anger. We're going to talk about how God's anger is the only anger that can is is considered justified. But anyways, let's talk about what happens to the brain when one is angry. We're going to start with the physical and then we're going to jump into the spiritual, right? So when the brain, when someone is angry, these are a couple things that are happening in the brain. Number one is the activation of the amygdala. The amygdala, a small almond-shaped structure in the brain, plays a crucial role in processing emotions, including anger. It acts as an emotional alarm system, detecting the potential threats and triggering the body's fight-or-flight response. When you're angry, the amygdala becomes activated, sending signals to other parts of the brain to prepare for a response. That is a good thing. If I see a bear and I'm afraid, my body's going to, the amygdala is going to activate and it's going to tell me because I'm afraid of being eaten by a bear, you need to run as fast as you can. That's a good thing. A hormonal release, the brain signals the release of stress hormones, particularly adrenaline and cortisol in response to anger. These hormones prepare the body for quick action by increasing heart rate, blood pressure, and alertness. Again, if I need to run as fast as I can and my because of fear, my body starts pumping on adrenaline, I'm not about to cramp while <laughs> running away, which is a there's a story about that. Uh, me cramping up in a time where I didn't need to cramp. And I'll say that in another episode. But it happened on my cousin's bachelor night back whoo, when I was a, 15 years ago. Um, so also the prefrontal cortex activates the involvement of it is the prefrontal cortex specifically the ventral medial prefrontal cortex is involved in regulating emotions and decision making however when anger is intense this part of the brain may be less effective in controlling impulsive action this could lead to impulsive and sometimes aggressive behavior again there's times where anger is is necessary to respond in an accurate way according to the situation but there's also times where anger can also do damage and lead to aggressive behavior. So it's nothing in excess is good. So yeah, fear is good in a moment where you need to run away for your life. But if it's excessive and you're dwelling in anger, now we're entering dangerous territory. So there's also cognitive changes. Anger can influence cognitive processes such as attention and memory. It may narrow your focus on the perceived threat or source of anger, making it difficult to consider alternative perspectives or solutions. This tunnel vision can contribute to irrational thoughts and actions. If you dwell in anger, your ability to think logically and rationally begins to diminish and you develop tunnel vision, which means um, there's going to be a situation. And because I'm dwelling in anger and lately all I feel is anger, 
my brain refuses to think outside of the box because now you're training it that the only response to anything is anger. So now there's no other alternative. So if we, like I said, referencing the Inside Out movie, imagine if that red dude was the only one in the brain. So every situation, sadness, a sad moment, a happy moment, it would just be anger. Your response to everything would be anger. And that's what you're uh, risking if you dwell in anger. Uh, neurotransmitters, chemical messengers in the brain play a role in regulating mood. In the case of anger, there is an increase in neurotransmitters like dopamine and norepinephrine. These chemicals can heighten arousal and contribute to the overall emotional intensity of anger. The autonomic nervous system is responsible for controlling involuntary bodily functions such as heart rate and breathing. When angry, the sympathetic nervous system, which is part of the autonomic, autonomic nervous system becomes more active preparing the body for action so again there's a couple times where this is great this is a good thing that we're angry there are times where it's warranted but if i dwell in it if the anger becomes excessive i'm entering a danger zone um like i said god created the brain to be able to regulate emotions but when things become upregulated just like anything in life uh you're entering uh, not a safe place so now now, here is where we talk about, well, it's not about anger, the emotion, but it's dwelling in anger, chronic anger, where you're just always angry. What happens? Uh, so studies show that chronic stress and elevated levels of stress hormones, such as cortisol, can affect the structure and function of the prefrontal cortex. And here are some consequences that can happen as a result of chronic exposure to the emotion of anger. The prefrontal cortex begins to reduce in volume. Chronic stress has been linked to a reduction in the volume of the prefrontal cortex. This may be associated with the alterations in neural connections in synaptic plasticity. So I thought this was really cool that the brain has the ability to change. It has the ability to adapt. It has the ability to destroy connections or create new connections within all the different parts of the brain that control different functions. And it has the ability to expand or shrink. The plasticity is supposed to be fluid. It's, and that's why water in the brain is so important because it needs to be moldable. It needs to be able to move. Um, but if you're dwelling in anger, your ability of the brain to be able to be flexible begins to shrink. Stress can interfere with the prefrontal cortex's ability to regulate emotions and make sound decisions. It may contribute to difficulties in impulse control, impulse control, increased emotional reactivity, and challenges in adapting to changing situations. Now, now we're talking about that person that, that really struggles with anger. I mean, they overreact to everything. They don't know how to adapt to situations. They, they're impulsive. They're angry. They, they don't know how to control their emotions. They don't know how to regulate their emotion. And then we want to say bipolar. And, and it, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, and I'm not going to dive too deep into it today. But this is just kind of to begin this series about um, our emotions. And the series I'm starting today, it's, it's our emotions and how our emotions impact our ability to hear God's voice. It's why am I angry? And then some people are angry. Well, I'm angry because I can't hear God. Well, today we're going to talk about why your anger may be the reason why you can't hear God. So lastly, cognitive impairments, prolonged exposure to stress hormones may affect cognitive functions associated with the prefrontal cortex, such as working memory and attention. 
This can result in difficulties in concentration and cognitive flexibility. Again, dwelling in anger is no bueno for anyone. Now, again, the question at the beginning of this episode is, is anger a sin? No. In a lot of situations, anger is a good thing. When I'm running for life, uh, when it's justified, if I see someone is about to steal my son and there's a fear like, oh my gosh, someone's about to take my kid, I'm going to get angry and I'm going to react. In that justified moment where whoever's taking my son, I'm whooping them. Like, I'm not holding back. I, I know that's a hot topic. Oh, no, no, you have to turn the other cheek. Nah, bro. If someone's taking my kid, I'm opening that can of you know what, and he's about to get it. In that moment, my anger is justified. Someone's trying to steal my kid, and I'm not about to have it. Um, You know, so it, it's, again, it's not in the, it's, there's so many situations where anger is appropriate. But when does it become a sin? When does anger transform, a moment of anger transform into a dwelling of anger, which causes me not to hear the voice of God? So, for starters, uh, anger becomes sinful when it is not justified or when it is directed towards something that is not offensive in a morally significant sense. Unjust or excessive anger can lead to sin. This is going to be my hot button topic. I grew up Pentecostal, okay? And I grew up in an age of Pentecostalism where everything was a sin. Bowling was a sin. Going to the movies was a sin. If you wear pants, it's a sin. If you wear earrings, it's a sin. If you shave, it's a sin. If you have a beard, it's a sin. Everything was a sin. Like, we grew up where we would never, we were never going to go to heaven because we were judged so much and guilted so much that there's, what's the point? What's the point of me living as a Christian if everything I do is wrong? And when it says that when anger is directed towards something that is not morally significant, I'm talking about if I went out with my wife on a date and my wife has some pants on and someone legit directs anger towards her because they believe that wearing pants is a sin. That's a sin. Their anger response towards my wife is a sin because it's not moral. This is not a moral topic. And, and there's going to, I might, I not even, I'm going to catch heat for this, but dude, we, we are beyond this. We are beyond the topic of pants and earrings. And we're beyond that, bro. There is such a large spiritual war going on. The devil is after our children. I mean, there's such a massive battle going on right now. The topic of clothing should not be an issue at the moment. That should be at the very bottom of the list when it comes to the church. Okay, so that that when we're directing anger to things that have zero moral impact, there's an issue. I get off my soapbox on that. Now, people. Now, this is a. I read this in an article, and I thought this was crazy. People with anger problems tend to misinterpret other people's intentions in social situations. They think others are being hostile when they are not and draw the wrong conclusions about their intentions. They also do not assimilate all the details of a social interaction, such as body language or certain words, and notice only those things that reinforce their belief that the other person is challenging them. If you're looking for something, you're going to find it. If you're looking for a reason to prove your point, you're going to put blinders on to everything else. And you're only going to see 
the things that are going to make your point valid and you're not going to be rational. You're not going to be logical. And the thing is, how many times do, have we seen where someone accuses like, oh, bro, you're doing this because of this. Oh, they did that. Because, and, and you're just like, you know, your buddies, your good friends are like, bro, I'm pretty sure that's not what's going on. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's why they're doing it. I'm telling you, they have it after me. They have it out for me. I'm like, bro. It, it's, and, and I've had to go through that because I felt like that last year. I felt like people were after me and then I had to come to my wits and I had to come to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, if they are coming after me, the Bible says revenge is mine, says the Lord. So you'll handle them. But I can't live a life where I'm uh, labeling people's intentions because I'm afraid. And then I, I have to think clearly. So I had to let go of anger. Um, and that's a dangerous place where now you're 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 determining what someone else's intentions are. And then the person is like clueless because like they they that's not their intention. And now you're defaming them. Now you're giving false testimony and you're telling people that someone did something towards you when that has it's complete opposite. It has nothing to do with what you're accusing them of, right? Now, decreased connectivity between brain regions that process a social situation could lead to an impaired judgment, leading to an explosive outburst of anger. The discovery of connectivity deficits in a specific brain region, such as the SLF, provides an important starting point for further research on people with IED, uh, as well as those with borderline personality disorder who share similar social and emotional problems and appear to have the same problems in an in or anomaly in the SLF. So basically what it's saying is that people who have anger problems are not connected well with all of their emotions and they see everything through the lens of anger and they're not able to make sound decisions. They're going to have outbursts of anger. So they're going to falsely accuse people of doing things that they're not doing. And what I say is what I say. And that's it. Now let's get to some scripture. Um, Romans chapter 12, starting verse 17 says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Be your friends. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Pause. There are, I should have started off with this in the beginning, but there are three kinds of anger. All right. To all my listeners, there are three kinds of anger. There is the anger of the devil. And the anger of the devil is expressed in the verse that says that the devil seeks to seek to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. That is the wrath of the enemy. His wrath is, is expressed in his desire to want to take your life, physically and spiritually. That's the devil's wrath. Then there's man's wrath, and then there's the wrath of God. Only the wrath of God is righteous. Only God has the ability to express his anger in a righteous way that is just. And we're going to be proving that in the scripture. For the scripture says, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. You, it, This is the hardest thing to do. And I'm not going to act like I, I do it perfectly because it's something I'm learning how to do now. But the best way to respond to someone's anger is love. And we're going to be talking about why in a second. Anger becomes sinful when it leads to harmful actions such as violence, verbal abuse, or other forms of aggression. It becomes sinful. 
The Bible warns against actions that cause harm to oneself or others. Proverbs 29 says an angry person starts fights, but a hot and a hot tempered person commits all kinds of sins. When you're dwelling in angry, when you become an anger per, an angry person, as as that's your natural state, it's just you're always angry and you're hot tempered, you commit sin. Anger becomes sinful when it leads to holding grudges. If anger transforms into a long-lasting resentment or grudge, it can lead to sin. The Bible encourages forgiveness and reconciliation rather than harboring bitterness. Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Look how crazy this is. We we don't read scripture the way it's supposed to be read. What this verse is saying is, I will not, the Lord is telling us, I will not accept your offering if you are holding a grudge. If you are holding a grudge, I will not accept your sacrifice. So there are a lot of people who are spending their life coming to the altar every Sunday. Every Sunday they're at church. Every Sunday they're giving a sacrifice and they think they are going to heaven because I'm on the worship team, because I'm on the media team, because I'm on the evangelism team, because I'm on the outreach team, because I'm this and because I'm a musician and because I'm a teacher. And every Sunday I'm going to the altar and I'm giving, and they think they are going to heaven. And how sad is it going to be after using your entire life to do the works of the Lord for his response to be, depart from me, I know you not. What do you mean you don't know me? You held a grudge. All those sacrifices in the spiritual realm, look at your altar. All those years of you coming to the altar, they're all still there. I never took them. But Lord, but Lord, I never took them. They're still there where you left it. Because you held a grudge. You allowed anger to dwell in your heart and you were unable to forgive so how sad is it going to be the day when you go to be judged and you look in all the years of service all the years of coming to the lord and working for him and all the sacrifices are still there at the altar he never accepted them because you held a grudge long story short don't be petty bro pettiness does not enter heaven when you lash out, expressing anger in ways that hurt or demean others is considered sinful. This includes using harsh words, insults, or seeking revenge. More scripture, Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. That's the verse that people ask me, is it a sin to cuss? Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The tongue has the power to give life or to take it. So choose your words wisely. Refusing to forgive. Holding on to anger and refusing to, sit, to forgive others is viewed as sinful. The Bible teaches the importance of forgiveness for maintaining healthy relationships and spiritual well-being. Ephesians 4.32, instead be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Again, I said in the beginning that every single decision we make here on earth is us telling God where we want to spend an eternity. So here's the thing. The Bible says that Christ has forgiven us 
And the only reason why we have the ability to forgive is because he has forgiven us. Just the same way the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. So he first loved us. So everything, all the emotions that we have the ability to express, it's because he expressed it to us first, right? So if you can't forgive Christ, uh, if you can't forgive someone who has done something to you, you're basically telling Jesus, I haven't been forgiven because I can only forgive if I've been forgiven. And then you have those people, no, 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 I can't forgive him. I can't, I refuse to forgive him. I can't forgive him. They did this and this and this and this, and I can't forgive him. I'm sorry. And God's, and this is how stupid they sound, bro. Lord have mercy. This is how dumb they sound. The Lord's just going to have to accept the fact that I can't forgive him. Really? So you're telling me that you're telling God that he's going to have to just accept the fact that you're in sin? No, that is not the case. He hates sin. So if you are telling God, you're just going to have to accept the fact that I can't forgive him. What you're really, what his response is, then you're going to have to accept the fact that I haven't forgiven you. Because Jesus forgave those who have the ability so they can have the ability to forgive. So if you're not going to forgive them, then his response to you is then you're not included in the forgiveness of your sins of the sacrifice of my son on the cross. You don't get that blessing. You don't get that grace. You don't get that mercy. If you can't forgive, then you're not forgiven. You're showing me that in reality, where you want to spend the rest of your eternity is hell. Anger becomes a sin when we begin to disregard others' feelings. Ignoring the feelings and perspectives of others and anger can lead to sinful behavior. The Bible encourages empathy and understanding. Galatians chapter 2 says, to share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Real quick, um, the day there was a day I was driving with my wife and we were driving and we were driving on a road that I've driven a million times. I know these streets like the back of my hand. This was down in Winter Haven. And I made a left. To, we were going to a church. And I made a left. I've been to this church a billion times. It was my grandfather's church where he was going. And I make a left and I drove our car straight into a ditch. Straight into a ditch. Crushed the front of the car. We have a thousand dollar deductible. My wife had all the reason to be upset. Her response could have been, dude, what are you doing? We've been here a million times. Why would you turn there? You know there's not an entrance there. She could have responded in anger. But she didn't. And the reason why she did not respond in anger was because this was the day of my grandfather's funeral. My grandfather had passed away. We were driving to his funeral. My mind was not there. My heart was crushed. I was not in a good state of mind. So instead of responding to anger, she understood the burden of my grandfather's death and she took on that burden and she put herself in my shoes and she responded with love and she said Louis it's okay accidents happen she and she showed me love because there's going to be situations where someone's going to be mean to you someone's going to be angry with you and instead of you lashing back with anger put yourself in their shoes and ask them hey hey why you're normally not this way why are you talking like this why are you being angry what's going on did something happen are you okay are you hurt are you having a bad day? Talk to me. What's going on? Because you're usually not like this. You're going to you're gonna basically pacify. You're going to become a pacifist and you're going to be able to de-escalate their anger. Because when they see that you didn't respond to their anger with anger and you responded to their anger with worry about their well-being, that, oh, you're going to shut their anger off so quick. Okay. And lastly, 
Anger becomes a sin when you allow it to control you. When anger takes control of a person's thoughts and actions, leading them to act impulsively or without regard for God's commandments, it becomes sinful. This is a perfect example of what happens when we allow anger to take control. Matthew 5.22 says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So basically, this verse is saying you can kill someone with your words. When you let anger control you, you are committing homicide with your words. When you allow anger to control you, you are signing your death certificate. Now, how does anger affect my ability to hear and understand God? Now, then we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for a bit, and we're almost done here. <clears throat> Thank you guys for those. Uh, we're going on 28 minutes. Not bad. Um, like I said, I'm a little bit on a time crunch, but um, John 16, verse 12. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Okay. So here, um, when the word guide is translated to the, the Greek word, had, had, I'm butchering it, but it's spelled H-O-D-E-G-E-S-E-I. And it means to guide, to instruct, and to show the way. Since the Bible was inspired by the God and it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, the only way to receive a correct interpretation and translation of his word in our hearts is if he truly lives in our hearts. So it's like if you read a book and you know, people, there's book clubs, right? Where people discuss, well, what was the author trying to say here? Oh my gosh. I remember in college, the liberal arts class or the class I had to take. And that's what it was. We would read these stories. And, you know, I had some hipster dude uh, that hated me because I would sleep all class. And then I would uh, just read the story. And then I would come five minutes. I would come on the days of the test. I would get a hundred. He's like, bro, I'm like, I low-key have kind of photographic memory not photographic but i have really good memory at that point i was still young but um the point is it's we would discuss well, what was the author trying to say well if you really wanted to know you have to ask the author if you want to 100 correct answer you have to go to the person who wrote the book because we can speculate all we want of what god is trying to say but if we don't know the author then we're going to be wrong every single time okay so since the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit, we need him in our lives so we can correctly receive what he was trying to say in his scripture. So here is the danger of living in anger. What happens when you offend the Holy Spirit? Ephesians chapter 4 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life of life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We're going to be talking about the, the allowance in another episode. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So how are we binded with the Holy Spirit? With peace. Why do you think he chose to form a dove? That's going to be another episode. I got so much I want to share with you guys 
Um, it, it's crazy. Uh, for there is one body and one spirit. There is one body of Christ as a whole, but we only have one body. And there is only one spirit allowed to be in that body. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who is over all, in all, and living through all. So if there is only one body of Christ as a whole, but you yourself as an individual, there is only one body. And in your body and in your soul, there is space for one spirit. Okay? And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own and guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So when it says that we cannot go to sleep and let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a full hold on the devil. In Spanish, it translates to no le dé lugar al diablo. Don't give a place to the enemy. What do you think that verse is saying? We read the verse and we and we think we know, but we have to go. We have to make these connections in scripture because. If I'm making room for the devil in my heart by letting anger dwell, who do you think I have to kick out in order to make room for the devil? If there's only one chair in my heart, there is only space for one spirit in my heart. So if I choose to dwell in anger, who do you think I kicked out in the process? Oh, my Lord. There are so many so-called Christians there are pastors and there are leaders who live in anger and they are claiming to be led by the Holy Spirit, but they kicked them out a long time ago because they couldn't forgive. Because they were angry for the wrong reason. Instead of being angry when people sin against God's law, they're more angry about someone breaking the law of their organization, of their religion, of their dogmas. They're more angry on that than they are with anger against the law of God that says love God above all else and love your neighbor as yourself. And they spend an entire life being more offended by someone coming into their church Dress inappropriately because that's all they have because they were a prostitute coming off the street and they felt a call by God to come and to repent and to give up their sinful life. And since they were a prostitute, that's all they have. But they wanted to hear God and you kicked them out because they offended your dogma. And that's where you directed your anger. The second you did that, you kicked the Holy Spirit out. You offended him because he was the one. Oh, my Lord. He was the one that called her in the first place. He was the one that called the drug addict. He was the one that called the drunk guy who came into your church drunk. And you kicked him out because you can't be in church in that way. The Holy Spirit was the one that told him while he was drunk, I'm going to lead you to a church and I need you to listen to this sermon. He was the one that brought the guy who's high on crack. But because the Holy Spirit is powerful, he was able to reach that man through his highness and get him to come into your church so he can hear the word. And you kicked him out because of the way he smelled. Because you disrespected the quote unquote reverence of the Lord because you saw the needle marks on his hand. Because you can see that his eyes were bloodshot, but he didn't come in making an emotion or commotion. He, he comes in there quiet. And he just wanted to hear and you kicked him out before he had a chance to, to know God. And now you think that the Holy Spirit is still inside of you? Nah, bro, you kicked him out. 
you kick them out by unrighteously addressing your anger to someone that God wanted in your church and you kick them out. I said what I said. I hope everyone hears that one. I, I pray that everyone hears that because that's the problem. Not only does the Holy Spirit leave you, but the Bible commands us to leave those people who dwell in anger. People complain, oh, all these people left me. And, and well, guess what? If the Holy Spirit leaves when the, the conditions of the heart are not formidable for him to be able to work, how do we know this? Check this out. Proverbs 22, 24. Don't befriend angry people or even associate with hot-tempered people. So if the Bible is telling me that if you are an angry person that are always in anger and hot-tempered and all you do is fight, Scripture tells me I can't even be your friend. Oh, but we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about that. Okay, well, you know what? Right there in scripture, it gives me permission. It says, if you're an angry person, I can pray for you. Yes. Will I continue to show you love in moments that you're, you're, you need it? That's fine. But to call you my friend? Nope. I can't even associate myself with you. So if scripture is telling me as a human that I have all the right to be friend, like to not be your friend, I, I have all the right to push myself away from you because you're an angry person. How much more right does the Holy Spirit have to leave someone who offends him? Come on now. Proverbs 14, 29. People with understanding control their anger. Hot temper shows great foolishness. You cannot claim to understand God if you live in anger. You cannot claim to understand God if you don't forgive. You cannot claim to understand God if you mistreat people. Because people who control their anger have understanding. Why? Because if they control their anger, the Holy Spirit can stay longer in your heart. And when he's longer in your heart, that means that you have a correct interpretation and understanding of what he's saying in scripture. But if you live in anger and claim to know Christ, you are a liar. This one's a hot one for me. I'm saying this from a passion because I'm tired of it. More scripture. Y'all need more for, uh, scripture? Proverbs 29, 11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Now, you're probably going to say, but you sound angry. No, I'm not angry at all. Actually, I am. I'm gonna, I'm, let, me, let me take that back. I am angry, but the, I'm, this is a justified anger because this is not an anger that's unjustified. I'm angry at the fact that people are not getting to know Christ because we still don't understand this concept of how to direct our anger. Jesus showed his anger. He flipped tables. That man tore up a temple. He tore it up. But it's because they were stealing from his people. Okay? So my anger is coming from the fact that there are people in positions of leadership who don't forgive but then preach forgiveness. There are people who are trying to do damage to others, who spread lies, who spread gossip, and they're supposedly leaders. But then they're exalted. By the other people who promote their their worship, you, you have the person committing the sin, and then you have their posse around them encouraging them. Yeah, 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 you're the best. I'm like, bro, how are you clapping for this person when they are living in sin? That's my anger. Who does now? I'm going to end with this. 
anger, wrath, righteous anger belongs to one person and one person only, God. We said that there's the anger, the wrath of the enemy who wants to seek, kill, and destroy. You have the wrath of anger that is unjust, the wrath of man. We don't know how to express anger in a righteous way unless we have a spirit who guides that anger and how to direct that anger. Yes. You have to be, I mean, you have to be unified in peace with the Holy Spirit in order to be able to have the ability to be able to direct your anger in a righteous way and how he tells you to do it. We need his help. But the only one that needs no help in order for his anger to be righteous is God. Romans 1.18, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful and wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God shows his anger. His anger is righteous. Colossians 3, 6. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. The word anger can be switched for the word justice. The justice of God is coming because his anger is just, perfect, holy, and loving. Because God is the only person who can express his anger and still be a God of love. He, his love, his anger can be righteous. Loving at the same time. Because it is a punishment to those who commit the sin. But it is showing love to the person. That, hey, I saw that they offended you. I saw that they hurt you. And because you didn't take vengeance. I, and you allowed me to take vengeance for you. Now I'm giving them the justice they deserve. Which is. In, and then in turn showing you. I love you. I love you so much. That I took vengeance for you. And now you didn't have to get your hands dirty. Why do you, oh my God, why do you think mafia people, the mafia bosses never commit the act? Gang members, the, the head, the head of the, they don't do the, they, they have the grunts doing their work for them. So God wants to put you in a position. It's like, listen, don't let anger control you. And then you end up getting your hands dirty with sin because you took action into your own hands. But if you let me have the action, if you let me take the payback for you, if you let me have my vengeance, because vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will make sure that they pay for their sins. I will make sure that they suffer the consequences of their actions. But I don't want you to get your hands dirty. I don't want you to have that guilt of committing a sin because you took vengeance to your Because let me tell you something, when God's hand falls, it falls hard. Read the scripture. God kills people for sin. God killed teenagers because they made fun of Elijah. God killed Ananias and Sapphira because they lied to the Holy Spirit and offended him. He does not hold back when it comes to this punishment. And that's why when someone does wrong to you, pray for mercy on their life. That's what I pray. I say, Lord, for I have been wronged in the past so much. And my prayer has been, Lord, please have Don't go hard on them, Lord. Please like hold it back a little bit because I don't want them to suffer. Because I'm not going to take vengeance into my own hands. I'm not about to play that game. James 1.20. More scripture. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I don't have the ability in my anger to produce righteous justice. Only God can. Okay? Romans 2.5. Last verse. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin. You are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. 
anger belongs to God. Because only his anger can be just and loving at the same time. If wrath is God's way of punishing his enemies and sin, and you continue to live and dwell in wrath and in anger, what you are telling God is, this is how I choose my, to live my days here on earth, because that is how it is. That is how I want to spend my, okay, so this is my ending statement. Again, the way we live on earth is just a practice front for how we're going to spend our eternity. Okay? If I live a righteous life according to this Holy Spirit, if I produce fruit of the Holy Spirit and I show God that I can love my neighbor and that I can have patience and kindness and self-control, I'm showing God I am good enough for heaven. If you allow me into heaven, this is how I'm going to be. This is who I am through you. And God says, okay, so if you can be like that on earth, then you're welcome to heaven. However you live here, you're telling God how you want and where you want to spend eternity. Again, anger belongs to God because only his anger can be just and loving at the same time. If wrath is God's way of punishing his enemies in sin and I continue to live in sin and dwell in wrath, what I am telling God is this is how I choose to live my days here on earth because this is how I want to spend my eternity. Suffering in your wrath, suffering in the anger. Bro, I heard a testimony the other day that even the fire of hell is God's wrath. The fire in hell is God's wrath. So if I'm going to live in anger, if I'm going to live hot tempered, then what I'm telling God is I'm going to live that way here because that's how I want to live the rest of my life in hell. So every day when you wake up, tell yourself, However I live today, if Jesus comes today for his church, however I live here on earth determines where I spend an eternity. Father God, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. And I pray for all the people who are angry. Why am I angry, God? And why can't I hear you? I, God, I, I want to hear you, but I'm angry. And because I'm angry, I can't hear you, Father God. So I pray right now, Holy Spirit, reach into the hearts of all the listeners who are angry, who, who are hurt. And I pray that you remove everything that is causing anger in their life. I pray healing over them. I pray that they can hear you, Father God, that they can hear your voice, Father God. I pray that, that they can come to peace and become united with the Holy Spirit in peace, Father God, so they can live how you call us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all, guys. Um, I made it with a minute to spare. Like I said, in a few minutes, I'm heading out to see The Chosen, episodes four through six. I love that show. Um, <clears throat> but like I said, we're going to be diving into uh, the different emotions and how dwelling in the emotion incorrectly can cause you not to hear God's voice. So love you guys so much. I pray that this episode is a blessing to you all. Um, there's a possibility that next week I might start doing some episodes with my twin brother, Mikey. So um, check out his YouTube channel. Early Bird Gets the Word It's on YouTube and Facebook. Um, but there's a possibility that you're going to uh, hear him. And it's crazy because obviously we're twins. So our voice is exactly the same. So it's going to sound like I'm talking to myself. But in reality, I'm talking to him. So get ready for that. But God bless you guys. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Check out Linktree. Check out our YouTube, check out our apparel shop, 
uh, our social media, Instagram, Twitter. It's all on our link tree. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And until next time on the Disrupted Doctrine podcast.